and O since taking the court as a Phoenix Suns player. Hooker up the right side, finds Durant, open for three left wing. That's all net for KD. He's got 33. Averaging 26 points, 7 boards, 3.7 assists in those three games. Oh, and this was a nice chef's kiss to Luka and the Mavs in Dallas Sunday, wasn't it? Here's a bounce pass from Durant to Ish Wainwright. KD gets it back with 7 to shoot. Penetrates with a left-hand dribble. Stops from 15 and knocks it down on the left side. What a big shot for KD to put the Suns up to. 128-126. Timeout Mavericks with 11 seconds left to go. Burns and Gambo talk KD's first home game with the Suns. Now. Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Birds and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, Sean Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Man, it is the biggest game in town tonight. <laughs> what is it ever? 9.30 tonight, all the action. <laughs> Chance to go to the NCAA tournament for the Lumberjokes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Not to steal any thunder away from the Suns, but let's talk about the three, Jacks for a minute. Three wins in the conference tournament. That's the, the that's the only three-game winning streak they've had this year. Oh, man. they would, that longest since 2021? They would be one of the worst teams ever to make the NCAA tournament in the history of the NCAA tournament. They had not I, had a three-game winning streak this year, and they've just uh, done it in the tournament. I say that as a Lumberjack alum, all right? Yeah. I'm telling you. They're, they're, mm, they're, big. they're just, they, they would be one of the worst tournament teams ever. All they need to do is beat Montana State tonight. Well, to they got to do it. Jalen Cohn, the Virginia Tech transfer, leading the way. Big game for him last night. Shut down that kid, Aaron Moody. Held him to six points. All for five shooting. That kid had 28 in the previous game. It's you reading off your cheat sheet yeah. over there. Like you know uh, one good thing about NAU basketball. <laughs> they shut down that Moody kid. Held him. To, he was uh, 0 for 5 on threes. Yeah. Big night. Big night. Big I, night. The lumber jokes could be dancing, folks. They could be. I don't know what gets bigger than that. You're going to tell me that's not bigger than Kevin Durant? First. He's already played three games. <laughs> NAU is about to go to the NCAA tournament and shock the world as the worst team that's ever played in the tournament. They might be. And people are worried about Kevin, Kevin Durant. He played three games already. Good, they're three and zero. They had nine wins at the start of the Big Sky tournament. Nine, yeah. Despite your uh, protesting that NAU should be our top story of the day, despite mm. the fact that maybe like five percent of me agrees with you, <laughs> we got to play the hits, Gambo. We know what the top story of the day is today. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. But even though you make fun of my alma mater, yes, I appreciate the shout. Of out. course, I appreciate the shout out to the Lumberjacks of NAU. A little bit of love. Go of get them. Go get Montana State tonight. Go get that tournament. Be the worst team that's ever made the tournament. Damn right. Uh, well, you know what you could do is just when you're done watching the Suns games, just flip right on over and watch NAU or ASU, whatever your uh, tastes are. The Phoenix Suns tonight in their home opener against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are missing a bunch of guys tonight on the second night of a back to back. We'll get into that. Oh, Shea Gilders Alexander, uh, huh? Shai, he will not play tonight. Gilders Alexander, yeah. Um, he is out on the second night of a back-to-back, but let's not bury the lead. It is about the return, of the, the return, the debut at home of Kevin Durant tonight. You, had, you hit the nail on the head. He's played three games for the Phoenix Suns already, but when you're doing it at home, it's different. If you're going to the game, it's different. It's going to be electric. It's going to be exciting. Durant talked about the home debut yesterday. Time to get it in the books is, you know, it's tough. The more more people see me, the more comfortable they'll feel around me and things will get back to normal, you know. So I just try to get back to normal as possible. So the games roll around quick and you know, 
fans. I want them to understand my game and what I bring to the team. So as much as I can get out on the floor, it helps. So I'm looking forward to going out there and playing as hard as I can for them all night. This isn't like trading for Tory Craig where you don't know the guy's game. Like, this is Kevin. Everybody knows your game, Kevin. Everybody. We've watched you be the, you're one of the greatest players in the game. You've won two championships. There's not, there's not a basketball fan out there that hasn't seen you play dozens of times. Dozens. So, like, we, we said it would be great. I, like, how could it not be great? How could this not be great? We talked about adaptability, how adaptable he is. Yeah. He's fit right in. Okay. Yes. He's fit right in. Like, there is no, you know, l- like learning curve here or time to get adjusted. They can't. Came out of the gates, bang, 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 win, win, win. He's been great. Booker's been great. Uh, Monty's just trying to figure some things out with the rotations and how to play guys. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, he understands I'm going to have Booker or Durant on the court almost at all times in a basketball game. And that's going to be my key to winning games. Monty knows it, and that's what he's done. We said it when they acquired him four weeks ago, and it's very evident now after watching three games with him. Kevin Durant is one of the most, if not the most, adaptable superstars in the NBA. He can He's do plug what, and play. He, whatever you need him to do, he can do. He can fit into every system. He's extremely intelligent. He's playing with a guy yeah. who has a love for the game that matches his and Devin Booker. He's enjoying this. He's, He's having not adapted. fun. He's not adapted that for anything in you that you have electronically, you can plug it in and it'll work. Yeah, exactly. You you plug it in plug the it wall. In. It's work. got yeah. all the different jacks in it. USB. You go to Europe where everything's different. Just plug this just in the wall. The it'll work. And yeah. He's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, here's Durant on how he feels like his first week went with the sun. I feel like I got um, you know, I can get acclimated with the offense a little quicker. I feel like a couple plays that I didn't know. Um, and I, like I said, with practice time, it's, it's only help. So I'm getting there. I think um, my teammates have been great. Coach staff been great. It's been talking me through everything. It's a lot of different terminology, but almost the same type of sets we run amongst the whole league. So just trying to get the terminology down and so I can communicate with my teammates and um, we can go from there. But I think everything's going to be smooth. I was listening to the radio station earlier, and I was thinking of you. Because there was a conversation, I think it was on Wolf and Luke, about whether this is the most anticipated regular season home game ever for the Phoenix Suns. And for me, it's not. And I'm not trying to take any steam away from this. We jokingly opened the show about NAU, but it's not about that. It's, it's, I thought about you because you've been saying for a week now, schedules matter, schedules matter, schedules matter. Yes. If tonight's game were against Dallas, uh, the Clippers, Golden State, Golden Clippers, State, Memphis. I mean, just you run Denver, through a litany yeah. of teams. Denver, anybody, Boston. That, that there's nothing against Oklahoma City, but Oklahoma City on the second night of a back to back, when they're not playing two of their main guys going into tonight's game, it doesn't it, matter. It robs some of it from us, right? Like it doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, regular season game ever in the history of the Phoenix Suns. You're right. It, it's just Oklahoma City just does not pack the kind of punch that they need to. I know Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, but I, I just I can't put this game in that echelon. No, it doesn't mean anything. This game doesn't mean anything. It's Kevin Durant introducing himself to the Suns fans. It's the Suns fans having an opportunity to welcome Kevin Durant to the organization. Uh, you know, show him the love. It's it's about showing Kevin Durant the love. They're going to go nuts every time he hits a basket. Who knows? Maybe they even chant MVP. I don't know. But like, it's the fans' chance to, to welcome him. 
You know, look, a lot of we always talk about the ability to say goodbye to guys. Oh, I wish we'd had the chance to say goodbye to Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, I wish we could have said goodbye. We don't get the chance to say goodbye sometimes to guys because you don't know they're retiring. But you do get the opportunity to welcome guys. You always get that opportunity. You never don't have the opportunity to welcome somebody. You may not get the opportunity to say goodbye to a guy because, you know, he may decide to retire when you didn't know that. And like like with Fitz, but you always get to welcome a guy. And tonight, the Phoenix Suns fans are truly one of the best in the NBA. It is a great mm-hmm. fan base. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a tremendous fan base. I mean, it's, you know, the West Coast gets knocked a lot for um, the the lack of fan bases compared to the East Coast, where if you're dealing with New York or Boston or Philly, it's a little more laid back. Suns fans are great. Suns Suns fans fans are great. Suns fans fit right in. Okay, put them up against anybody. Yeah. Put Suns fans up against anybody. They're loyal. They're great. Um, You know, they back their team and they'll, they'll, they'll make sure that Kevin Durant feels the love. They will. And that's, to me, that's what it's about. I mean, they're going to beat Oklahoma City tonight, right? They're going to close within two games of Memphis for the number two seed. Yes, they will. You know, so, like, that's going to happen. I expect it's going to happen, barring a miracle. Like, it would be a shock if Oklahoma City won without playing Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who's their best player. Um but to me, it's the game doesn't mean anything because it's, again, look at the schedule. There are games that matter. Look at the schedule. There are games that don't matter. Tonight doesn't, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, I think I would feel differently if I had a ticket to tonight's game. If I had a ticket to tonight's game, I don't know if I would put it and say this is the most anticipated regular season game the Phoenix Suns have ever played. I, I don't know if I'd I, I even still put it in that echelon. But I do, I do think it makes a difference being in the building, being there. There's going to be undeniable electricity. There's going to be a buzz. You're going to, if you're watching, Watching it on TV, if you're listening to it on the radio, you're going to feel it. But I think if you were there in the building, you'd really be able to tap into that and kind of sense, man, this is a really big deal what's going on here around this team. Now, that being said, there are still things to kind of watch for and things to keep an eye on with this. And I, I thought our own Kellen Olson, uh, writing for ArizonaSports.com, um, Money Williams noted a couple things he wants to tighten up, especially given that they're home so much. Four of their next five are at Footprint Center. Um, he he says the shot-making ability of the team has kind of covered up the fact that some of the actual execution of the offense hasn't been what they wanted, which kind of suggests that it could be even better than what it is now. It's crazy how could to that think be, about. How could that be better than the efficiency that they're showing right now? Williams their said, offense can't be scored. It can't be stopped I know. right now. He said the shot-making ability of the team had the results making it look better than the actual execution. He also said he wants quicker coverage adjustments on defense. He wants guys rotating a little faster. He thinks they can take advantage of Kevin Durant and his long, lanky frame even better than they have already defensively. And then, of course, there's a lot of what we saw against Dallas. We saw none of this has to do with Kevin Durant directly. We saw Kogi struggle. We saw Terrence Ross struggle. We Ish Wainwright. You know, a lot of this story continues to be and will continue to be about the other guys. Okay, but the other Chris guys. Paul and Aiton and Ish and all of those guys and how they continue to adapt to Durant. Take Chris Paul out of it. Uh, Ish Wainwright, minimum guy. Terrence Ross, minimum guy right now. Josh Okoji, Okoji, minimum guy. Lando, minimum guy. They filled the rosters with a lot of guys like that because they don't, you know, with the salary they're spending on their top four guys, there's not a lot of money to go have a lot of great depth. You know, you don't have a bunch of guys making $10 million coming off the bench anymore. So that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, they're going to win a championship based on their star players. You may want those. Other, they don't need those other guys. To, it'd be nice if they played well. They just proved 
proven they could win games without with those guys not playing well. Okay, so no Shea Gilchrist Alexander, he won't play. Jalen Williams will not play. Neither player traveled to Phoenix. No, Jalen Williams is, is so he's such a good player. Yeah, he really good is. Good young player. So it, there's a little bit of the teeth that have been taken out of Oklahoma City for tonight's game. 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it here, Arizona Sports. When we come back, there's a ton of intrigue as to what the Cardinals are going to do at number 3 overall in the draft. What is the most likely move for them right now? We'll go national. Try and find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. After everything that happened at the Combine, all the rumors, the draft's still a month and a half away. Man, we had some questions. We had, we had, we had some questions, and we just we were talking draft a lot yesterday. So Mitch reached out, and we are very fortunate to have joining us right now on the Burns and Gambo Show to talk about the draft and where things stand for the Cardinals. ESPN NFL Draft Analyst Matt Miller. You can find him on Twitter, at NFL Draft Scout is where you can find him on social media. And he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Matt, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Guys, I'm doing really well. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Matt, I'm going to start with the obvious. For a long time, we debated here if the Cardinals keep the pick at three, it comes down to Anderson or Jalen Carter. But with the obvious arrest and looking at Jalen Carter fall down uh, the drafts quite a bit. And listen, I don't want to bury the kid because I think he needs an opportunity to at least exonerate himself, like he said. But I think there's a lot of red flags right there. Do you see him falling in this draft? As of right now, yes. And like you said, it, this is an unprecedented situation where there's you know, there's not a lot of clarity right now. You know, even a one week ago, we're, we would have been talking about Jalen Carter as the top player in the draft because one week ago was when they, you know, announced that he was wanted on two misdemeanor charges back in Athens, Georgia. So there, there hasn't been enough time yet to really dive into his situation and see what's going on and, and for teams to do that as well, to say – Hey, like, yeah, you know, there's two misdemeanor charges. He's going to, you know, take care of that, and then he'll be ready to go. No one knows that right now. There's too much hanging in the air. So 50 days out of the draft, it's really hard for me to imagine him going in the top five, even though he's absolutely that talented. I mean, there was legitimate talk that he's either the first or second player off the board. You mentioned Will Anderson from Alabama as well. So I do think it's it's a really – unique situation and teams have to be I think super careful with it because it's just not something we've ever seen before. Yeah, you know, quite a few years ago the Cardinals took Robert Incomdichie with their first round pick. But that was a third was a team coming off of a 13 and 3 record, made it to the NFC Championship game. They said, "Why not? He's fallen in the draft because he walked out like a third floor window and obviously red flags, but I think if you're a good team and you've got, you know, you've got a quality, you might be able to take a gamble on a guy like that. I think when you're a team like the Cardinals, I mean, if they trade down to seven, eight, nine. It still might be hard to pick them because they've got so many needs. Absolutely, and also a first-time general manager. And Monty Austinford does not want his first pick as a general manager to be one that is. I mean, there that there will be questions. There will be the media will be all over this if you draft whichever team drafts him. They're going to have to answer for it, right? That's just how it works, right? So I think as a first-time general manager. You probably don't want your first pick, especially in the top five overall, to be someone that you have to immediately have a press conference about. Uh, that's kind of a general rule of thumb. So especially in a year where, like you said, there, there will be opportunities to trade out and give yourself you know, more time or to trade from three to six or three to seven or three to nine. And you're looking at someone like Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech instead, who is close to that level as a player, 
but is not going to give you any question marks off the field. Matt Miller from ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I think for me, Matt, the burning question, and obviously there's still a month and a half to go before this thing, is Will Anderson Jr. the kind of prospect that the Cardinals would be crazy to not take calls on to move out of number three? In other words, is he so good, does he compel them to stay at three and ignore the inevitable calls they're going to get to move out of three? He's, he's really good, but he's not that good. I, I don't know that there's a non-quarterback that is that good. You know, there's the famous story that the New York Giants would not trade the number two overall pick in 2018 because they wanted Saquon Barkley so badly that they wouldn't even take calls on the number two pick. Don't do that. Unless it's a quarterback, you just don't do that. Listen to the call. Because what if it's the Indianapolis Colts to say, hey, we'll give you a, a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick to just trade places? Then you have to do that. You, you have to slide back one spot and still get your guy uh, if he's on the board. So I do think that Will is really special. He's my top overall player in this draft. But again, the gap from Will Anderson to Tyree Wilson is not it's not insurmountable. I mean, we're not talking about a different tier of player overall. They're both still really good. So if the Cardinals zero in on, we've got to get a pass rusher, we've got to get a pass rusher, well, then you could probably still you know slide back stay within range to get someone like Tyree Wilson and still feel pretty good about where you're at. If you were guessing, what is Tyree Wilson's floor? How how far until you would have to take him before he would be gone in the draft? He will not get past the Philadelphia Eagles in 10. I would, I would not imagine. You know, Even if we have four quarterbacks still in the top 10, which looks really, really likely right now, it, it's hard for me to imagine him getting past. I mean, Detroit at 6, is a, you definitely have to worry about them. Uh, then a you have to definitely Philly attend just with the needs they have, a defensive line with a ton of free agents and a defensive line that's getting older. I think they would have to take him if he's there. All right, we know we know Young and Stroud are probably the top two quarterbacks, but do you think Levis or Richardson have done enough to jump into a position where a team would want to trade up to number three to get them? Yes, I do. I I think Anthony Richardson specifically. I think Will Levis is probably slipping to four right now in the quarterback ranks around the league, at least based on conversations I've had. I think for Anthony Richardson, we knew how athletic he was. Like, you could watch him play against Utah, and you see him, like, ripping off 80-yard runs and, you know, doing pirouettes and shrugging off linebackers. Like, hey, this guy's pretty athletic. But he, he tested as the most athletic quarterback ever at the Combine. Like, ever. At 244 pounds, he's the fastest quarterback most have, you know, longest broad jump, tallest vertical jump. So when you put those three numbers together in his size, he's the most athletic quarterback ever. So I think that would have a team like a Seattle, you know, say, gosh, we got Geno Smith for three years. Let's let's draft Anthony Richardson, and, and he can, you know, he only played 13 games in college. Let's give him some mental reps. Let's give him a year to kind of figure things out about his footwork and his consistency. And then we're going to unleash that dude on the NFL after his rookie season. So I, I think Seattle and Detroit definitely are in that conversation of they have really good situations. For, for a quarterback that needs some development time, Anthony Richardson it just makes too much sense for both of those teams. So inevitably then, I mean, just looking at all the quarterback needy teams, you mentioned Seattle, it, inevitably the calls that the Cardinals get, I, I, it sounds like you would expect they're going to get a uh, ton of calls at number three for somebody wanting to move up and take a quarterback. In fact, I think I even saw a retweet from you in which you suggested that quarterbacks are for sure going to go one, two, and three in this year's draft. 
I, I did retweet that today. I mean, it, it really is starting to feel that way. And I think there's a lot of belief that Indianapolis will go up to number one because the connection between their general managers from their time in Kansas City. So if you have the Colts at one, the Texans at two, there's two quarterbacks. And then I think you're the Arizona Cardinals and you suddenly have the pick that so many people need, whether it's Seattle or Carolina or Detroit, the Raiders. Uh, there there'd be four teams who all have top ten picks, by the way, uh, who would be saying, hey, we got to we gotta go up. We got to make sure, not because Arizona's going to draft one, but you have to make sure that, that you don't get jumped for one of those quarterbacks if you're in that spot. And a lot of those teams have backed themselves into a corner where you know, that Carolina at nine, you're not getting a quarterback at nine anymore. There's no way. You're going to have to trade up. So I think that's, as a Cardinals fan, I would start getting excited about the potential of trading back a couple spots and still getting a really good player on defense. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you the question nobody ever asks you. I'm going to ask you about the second round. Cardinals have a they have an early pick in the second round, but we're also talking here about trading DeAndre Hopkins and getting a second round pick. That would give them two second rounders. This team needs offensive linemen and cornerbacks if they go with a defensive lineman in the first round. Is it a good second round for those positions? It is a bad second round for offensive linemen, and it's it's a bad draft for interior offensive linemen in general. With an early second-round pick, you could be looking at one of the top centers, like John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, Luke Whipler from Ohio State, Joe Tipman from Wisconsin. They're, they're worthy of being drafted in the top 50. We'll see if they're still on the board early in the second round or not. It is not a good year for offensive guards. It's not a good year, in my opinion, for round two offensive tackles. Uh, so that, that does make it tough. I, I feel you're, you're paying there. A lot of teams are, are in the same boat. I think corner... We're going to see some guys slip to the second round. Like Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State had six interceptions last year, but he weighed 166 pounds at the combine. So he's going to slip a little bit, but he's still a really good player. I think there will be plenty of guys like that who slip because either they you know, were a little bit light or a little bit slow, but they can still be starters in the NFL. Matt, really good stuff. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. We would love to have you on again, and we'll get a little closer to the draft. We appreciate the inside information. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Matt, Thanks, Matt. From ESPN, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. That was good stuff. There was a lot, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. there. Yeah, no Ooh, doubt about it. not in love with Will Anderson. I mean, he, he likes him, he says, but the gap just isn't that wide between him and the next best guy. Really interesting. Texas, your thoughts? The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Lots of games in the NBA last night and ended up very favorably for the Phoenix Suns. We'll do a little roundup next. Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric Ruby is here with today's Twitter poll question of the day. I have not seen it yet. I don't know what it's at. It's about NAU, right? Yeah, that's actually it. Mm-hmm. I have, by the way, I have promised one full year, one full year, that I will not call them the lumber jokes if they win this game tonight. That's big. Anytime NAU comes up for one full year, I will not call them the lumber jokes. I saw your Baba Lugans, we got a bet here. If I call them the lumber jokes, I bring everybody in a pizza. I'll bring bring in a pizza or something for us. Get out. Seriously? If they win this game tonight, I'll go one full year of not calling them the lumber jokes. Wow, now they have something to play for. They really have. This is is worth more than a bid in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I I saw your tweet and I skimmed it. I just assumed you meant one full day. I'm looking at it right now. I promise one full year of not calling them the lumber jokes. Exactly. Oh, man. 
<laughs> Every NAU alum out there. Yeah. Tell the coach. Listen, guys, we have a chance to play for the NCAA tournament or something bigger than that. That idiot in yeah. Phoenix will stop calling us the lumber jokes for a year. It's loud if we win New this Yorker game. in Phoenix because you have to win this game to shut him up and he'll actually exactly. call us by the right name. Uh, they play for the Big Sky Championship tonight despite the fact that they If they win this game, Mitch, wins. get the coach on tomorrow. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. Give him, the, give, we'll give, give him, we'll give him seven minutes tomorrow the next day. Maybe the next day. I can endorse this. Yeah. I can endorse this. All right. Uh, that's not our poll question. Eric, you do have what our poll question is. What do you got for us today? And you guys actually do know this question because we talked about it yesterday, officially putting it out today. Tonight's the home debut for Kevin Durant on the Suns. And as the starting lineup is being announced, when will Durant's name be read? Your options are first, second, or third lumped into one option, fourth, or fifth. All right. Now, Mitch did some research on this. For LeBron. Right. And D-Wade. When the Heat added LeBron, mm-hmm. rather than debate who they announced last, they just announced LeBron first. Did they do that for every game? Was that just the way? Or? I had two samples. One was from the first season, and one was from three years after, and both occurrences were exactly the same. Okay. Does Kevin Durant go last, second to last, or first? He was also first when he was on the Warriors, too. Mitch found Mitch that as found well. Mitch found that out, too. Okay. So, Ooh, so there's a little precedent of going first. Uh-huh. All right. I'll go with first. I will, too. Based off of the precedent. They'll Price announce him first. That yeah. one, not even in second place Get right out. now. In overwhelming first place is last. 56.7% believe Durant's name will be read last in the starting lineup being announced tonight. 20.8% think it'll be fourth. 11.6% think it'll be first. 10.9% think second or third. All right. That's a good poll question. I like that. We, we kind of stole that one from the morning show because they were talking about it. Of course, Vinny. I would imagine by now Vinny knows. I would think. Oh, yeah, he knows. By now he knows. He probably he knows. knew yesterday. He's not he telling anybody. He wouldn't tell a soul, but yeah, yeah. he he um, he knows. Absolutely, he knows. All right. Um, we're, we're probably, I don't know if we're going to do this every single day, but as we've got like a month left in the NBA's regular season and with so much on the line, we really, we mentioned this yesterday, we're starting to pay a lot more attention to what's going on around the league just to see in the NBA, can the Suns move up? Where are they going to end up? Who are they going to play? How are all things every, shaking every, out? Yep. First thing I do when I look, was in this morning, look, let me look at those standings. Let me look at those scores from last night's game. You know, what happened? And I think the first thing that stood out to you is that the Grizzlies got beat by the Lakers. That is the That's first the thing. number one thing. Grizzlies got beat by the Lakers. Good for the Suns and catch. Memphis, L.A., by the way, important win for them because they moved to ninth. So, you know, they want to get in. They want to make sure they're in the playing game, right? They're without you know, LeBron James right now. So, what well, big game for Anthony Davis last night, correct? Yeah, 30 points, 22 rebounds. Dennis Schroeder had 17 last night. The Lakers have won six of their last eight. They're thinking, I don't know if this is going to help or hurt, but D'Angelo Russell's going to be back on Friday. They're thinking in Los Angeles. LeBron is still a couple of weeks away. A 17-4 to run down the stretch by the Lakers, and of course they retired. Pau Gasol's number sixteen at halftime of this they game. Yeah. Two-time, two-time champion for them. Thierry talking about Kobe as you would expect him oh, to. Yeah. Now in the immediate aftermath, what was your just go your your your, your reaction when they got Pau? Was you a I remember you. that seven seconds or less was done. Okay, the Lakers. That, 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 that's it. Seven seconds or less is dead. Yeah. It's over. It's finished. The Lakers just got Pau Gasol, and they're going to win two or three. I remember, I remember you saying that. Oh yeah, it was. That was the night. Seven seconds or less died. It was the night they got Pau Gasol. Uh, what else you got? Uh, well, let me just do the standings real quick. Okay. As directly relates to this. Memphis is now tied 
with the Sacramento Kings for the number two and number three seed. With a win tonight, you mentioned it. Let's mention it again. With a win tonight, the Phoenix Suns would vault to two games behind the number two seed in the West. They'd be three back in the loss column, but they'd only be a game back in yeah. the win column. So you do the averages out in their two games They got back. Dylan Brooks back last night. Yes, they did. So they, you know, he was out for the game. They got him back, but they're still without John Morant. And I have an update on that, by the way. The John Morant thing is I'm refreshing my page here. Glendale, Colorado police have closed their investigation into Grizzly star John Morant. No charge or crime. Quote, there was not enough available evidence to charge anyone with a crime. Close quote. Okay. So, so he'll be back sooner than well, later. Well, doesn't mean the NBA won't suspend him. He, he still has to answer why he had a gun and how he got the gun oh, there true. and yeah. was the gun on the team playing or whatever. But from a legal standpoint, he is not going to be charged. All right, let's go next. I think we should go to Oklahoma City, tonight's opponent for the Suns. Beating Golden State last night, 137-128. to 128. I know yesterday I said I was terrified of the Warriors. Maybe I shouldn't be. They're 7-25 and 25 on the road That's incredible. this year. Uh, absolutely awful. incredible. They cannot win road games. Cannot, you know, and they got, you know, they got beat. Pretty good. I mean, got beat by nine. Oklahoma City, great game by Shy Gilgis Alexander. Great game by Josh Giddy. Uh, Gilgis Alexander not playing tonight. Curry had 40 and they lost. He had 10 three pointers. Mm-hmm. So big game for him, but he just, there's just, you know, that's why, like, you know, last week when I said the teams that I think can compete with the Suns and possibly beat them. Milwaukee and Boston, and then the Clippers and the Nuggets. I didn't include Golden State. I don't think they can beat them. I don't think Golden State... I know people are worried about them. Championship pedigree and all of that... They're not a good team. I know. I, I waffle back and forth on Golden State. I really do. Because moments like last night doesn't build a case for why you should be scared of them. There's just this feeling they're going to get to the playoffs and they're going to flip a switch because if Wiggins comes, if Remember, Wiggins is out for some personal reason. He's missed 10 games in a row. He's a key player to them. If he comes back, then maybe I'll change my mind. But I don't know what's going on with Andrew Wiggins. Nobody does. Yeah, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, 33 points in last night's game. Dario Scharich, by the way, 14 points in 15 you minutes. You can't stop him. He's been really good for Oklahoma. Oklahoma City since the trade. He's been, he's been good for them. So Golden State is tied for fifth. Golden State is now tied for fifth. But they're for, still out of the play-in, but they're tied for fifth place. Yep, they're tied with Dallas for the fifth, sixth seed right now. Um, and then in the Western Conference last night, a couple of other results to pass along to you that matter in terms of the West, and that was that Minnesota lost last night to the... Well, Minnesota lost to the Sixers. Dallas beat the Utah Jazz. So Minnesota slipped a little bit. I saw Carl Anthony Towns on the sideline, still no idea when he's going to come back, but he obviously didn't play in that game. And then Dallas, now 3-5 and five in games in which both Kyrie and Luka play. They were able to hold off the Jazz down the stretch. Yeah, so the Mavs tied, for, tied with Golden State for fifth, staying out of the play-in game. The T-Wolves are seventh. They're a half a game away from uh, from you know avoiding the play. There's a half game up on avoiding the play-in. So you just you look at it and you kind of play it out. Now, we don't know if the Suns are going to end up 2-3 or 4 Four, I think it's a better chance now with Memphis struggling that they'll end up to. They've got two games against Sac- Sacramento. Um, so I think there's a really good chance Phoenix can get to two because of what's going on you know, with Memphis. And I want to mention this just because he did it again. Mikel Bridges, 30 points last night wow. as the Nets beat the Rockets. That's 30 or more points five times in his last eight games. He's been really, really good. Brian Windhorst was on Bickley and Murata this morning. The Suns are now, I think, two and a half games out of um, out of second place. <laughs> um, 
So uh, now Sacramento's there too, um, but the Suns' schedule—that's it. They have no more big road trips. That they're, they're they're the hard part of their road schedule is over. I don't think they've got any. I don't think they barely leave the the mountain Pacific time zones the rest of the way. So they got a great team. They're, they got soft, you know, at least one mark ahead of them. I'm not ruling out that they could get to second, uh, second or third. Okay, not looking past tonight's game. Oh, Saturday's game against the Kings is Hugh Mungo. Yeah, because if they Huge. win that game, then they have the tiebreaker over them. Yes. Because they're 2-0 and against them right now. Correct, Amundo. Win that one, you got the tiebreaker over the Kings, so you don't even have to pass them. You're just going to end up tied with them. Yeah. But their schedule's brutal. The Kings are going to lose some games here. You yeah, watch. I think so. And Memphis, of course, just a lot of it depends on when John Morant comes back. As always, you can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, is this the last chance to get into the dance for Bobby Hurley as coaches of ASU? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We have to go above and beyond just to put ourselves in a conversation to, to be in. And, uh, you know, I stand by, you know, our top four wins. I mean, it's at Arizona, at Oregon, Michigan, VCU. And you can throw out Colorado. And, I mean, we've had some really good wins this year. And, uh, and just one bad loss. You know, we had one bad loss in overtime early in the season, the third game of the season. So if you're going to be fatally judged by the third game of the season, we maybe shouldn't have played the rest of the year. <laughs> He's he's arguing. He's, he's arguing. Swinging, isn't he? he? He's 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 arguing. Uh, we deserve to be in. Look at our record. Look at our record. And we've only got the one bad loss. Well, that was a really really bad loss. That was the third game of the season. That's a bad loss. And you also got beat by like forty by San Francisco, which is an okay team. But and then the wins are like you know you're five and eight in your last thirteen games. You're five and eight. You, you can't just hang your hat on that Arizona win. Oh, we beat Arizona. We beat. You went five and eight down the stretch. Like I would like to. See ASU get in. I always said this. I think it's better for all of us if ASU and U of A are both in. But right now, they're not in. They should not be in the tournament right now. They've got to win, beat USC, and we've got something to talk about. Yes. Win this game tonight, then beat USC, and then we can make an argument for you. If they if they do that, okay, they, they missed that opportunity this past weekend against USC. They now have another opportunity to beat USC. USC's in right now for by most accounts. They're they're a ten seed, nine seed, eleven seed. Somewhere around there, they're not, you know, they're they're not so in that they're infallible. They they could do some damage to themselves this week, but yeah, that's that's exactly the path. Beat Oregon State tonight. Beat USC tomorrow. When they beat USC tomorrow, if they beat USC tomorrow, then we can come in here on Friday and say, make okay, an argument. are they back in? Let's make it. What else has happened around the country? Have there been any automatic bids that got scooped up by unexpected teams? And now you've got to give that conference two bids. You know, all the usual stuff that happens around March Madness. Then we'll really start to pay attention to stuff like that because a win against USC would at least put you in that conversation. Yeah. The bigger, in, in by the way, tonight's game starts at 9.30. Um, tomorrow's game would start at 9.30 if they played USC. The, the bigger question is, will ASU move on from Bobby Hurley if they don't make the tournament this year? I That's think been kind of hanging over everything for the last month I, or I so. I think it's more, will Bobby Hurley move on from ASU? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it could be, like if St. John's, the St. John's open job opens up or some other job. I mean, Louisville has four wins this year. Maybe they fire their coach. I mean, uh, I think it, it really would depend on, to me, I I don't know if you could do 
better than Bobby Hurley. We talk about this all the time. I don't know if you could do better than him. It's a nice rebound from last year. Like, they were terrible last year. They have, Now they're on the bubble this year. Like, you know, he's done a decent job. The question, he may be like, look, these facilities suck. They're not committed to basketball here. Uh, I'm grinding and grinding and grinding. I'm not really going anywhere. Let me go somewhere where basketball matters. Let me go somewhere where I have a better shot. So I might be back east. So I think to me, it's not do they move on from Bobby Hurley. It's does Bobby Hurley move on from them? You might be right. When it's all said and done, you might be. He might feel that itch to go try somewhere else where it's just he just gets a different mix, right? He just tries something else, especially the uncertainty, the Pac-12, and not knowing. I mean, if the, the Pac-12 becomes a Big 12 school, I mean, the job just becomes infinitely harder if that's your conference schedule two, three years from now if you're Bobby Hurley. Maybe he does. I I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not bullish on ASU's chances. I, I think they've just been too inconsistent all year. The only reason why we're even talking about this is because of a buzzer beater against U of A, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but there, there hasn't been a ton of quality the last two months of the season, last month and a half of the season, and it's just hard to see them doing anything really dramatic in the Pac-12 tournament to change all that, but I, I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to see ASU get in. On the other side of the coin, U of A, who's not the top seed in the Pac-12 tournament, UCLA is. They just suffered a devastating injury. Devastating injury. Uh, for, yep. the, for the rest of the season, they just announced that Jalen Clark is out for the rest of the season. Yeah. He won't play with it. I know he was out for the whole toy. He's their best defensive player. He's their best defensive player. Can guard one through five, comes up with a lot of steals. Great defensive player. That's a big loss for UCLA. It is. As far as U of A goes, it was a really... I liked what they did at, uh, at ESPN.com. They basically... The 355 college basketball teams that won't win March Madness. Basically, they said, what, eight teams can? I think they yes. said eight teams are capable of winning a national championship. U of A was not one of them. U of A was not one but of them. But they were the ninth team. They had them the next, the near mid, they were the next best team. And it says Arizona looks like a chip off the old block last year. Great job by Tommy Lloyd, but they lost Benedict Matherin, Dalen Terry, Christian Coloco to the NBA. And he said there's less daylight between this excellent offense and the rest of the Pac 12. Throw in a defense that also taking a half step back. Wildcats land here barely. Now, listen, I've watched almost every team game this team has played. Um, if Tabellus and Barlow are dominant and Creesa hits his shot, uh, uh, you know, and Ramey hits his shot, they can beat anybody. You know, they've got good size. Henderson being in the lineup gives them size. Pella coming off the bench gives them scoring. You know, but they need Tabellus to be great. Like, he's got to be great for four or five games in a row. He can't, he's, he's, a, he, you can shut him down sometimes. So if Tabellus doesn't give them anything, you know, they then, yeah, you're really reliant on Creesa and, and, and Ramey hitting those outside shots and Henderson. They don't have a deep bench, but they do have size with Tabellus and Balo. Balo's a big key for them, too. But for me, the biggest key is Tabellus. He's not the most athletic. He's gifted, but he's not the most athletic kid out there. The ESPN article went on to cite the Magic 8 for 2023 are Alabama, Yukon, Houston, Kansas, Marquette, Purdue, Tennessee, and UCLA. In their opinion, the national champion will be one of those eight teams. Now, would they take UCLA off, knowing about the Clark injury? I, I don't know. But as of right now, those are the eight teams they have, they say, that can win the championship in U of A. I was watching some of that uh, West Coast championship game last night between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. They didn't have Gonzaga in their list. They didn't have Duke on their Gen- list. I, watched, I was watching that Gonzaga game, too. They were crushing oh, they St. Killed, Mary's. They killed St. Mary's. Just crushing Just it. killed them. And then they were talking on Scott Van Pelt's show afterwards about how St. Mary's 
Mary's and all the metrics, they're like a top 10 team. Like they should be like a three seed or a four seed, but they're probably not going to be because they didn't win their conference championship. And then while they're good, they might take a hit because of just getting so blown out last night by Gonzaga in that game. But yeah, it's eight teams and U of A not among them. We'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. And then, of course, I, I don't want to bury the lead. Gambo's solemn promise to this all it. NAU Lumberjack alum everywhere. Win this game. And he's more than an NCAA tournament. And you will not call them the Lumberjokes no, for I will, a whole I will, calendar I'll year. Go a full year. Not a month, not a day, not a week. One full year, I will not call them the Lumberjokes. If I call them the Lumberjokes and I slip, uh, I'll, uh, pizza on me. I'll bring in a, I'll bring in a pie. Uh-huh. I love Listen, this. I've worked with so many lumber jokes over the year. Ash, you. I had McCabe in last week. Guess where McCabe went to school? NAU. NAU. That's Jordan Bird, my producer, NAU. That's because it's uh, as far as broadcast excellence. I mean, NAU just churns them out. Just churns them I mean, out. It's not as good as the, the Syracuse schools, you know, <laughs> featured by Craig Grealou. <laughs> uh, Craig you know? Grealou, Larry Gatos, John Bloom. Dave Pash. I mean, not even to mention like the like the national yeah. national guys. Who's like the got Tarikos better media? World, who's got like better media members in Arizona? Syracuse alum or NAU alum? <laughs> Syracuse alum. Syracuse alum or Jordan, NAU alum? Jordan's not working in the business anymore. Who's one of the greatest producers that's ever that's ever worked Kevin, in this industry? Kevin McCabe's still around. He's Mark, the Mark, dean. Mark Asher's not in the business anymore. I'm still here. Why? I have no idea. How? By the grace of God, but I'm still here. Uh, NAU. Okay, here's. Okay, the lumberjack lumber joke thing is great, and I'm all for that. I'm here for that. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, mm-hmm. if NAU makes this field, they are going to be one of the worst teams in the history of the field. They had nine wins going into this tournament. Nine. They're on a three-game winning they streak were, right now. That's the longest of the season. I know. I know. It took a buzzer beater to beat the top seed. They beat Montana last night. They were the four seed. Tonight, they play a Montana State team that's the number two seed in the big sky that needed double overtime Take to down. beat Let's Weaver go. State. I'm rooting for them. I'm glad. It, I'm rooting what? for him. Let's go. NAU, we, we, we accept go. you willingly. We'll bring you on Let's, the fold. I haven't been Denver. to the tournament in how many decades? 2000. 2000, 2000. was the last year. They lost to St. John's, oh, right? I know. I remember. The game yeah. was in Tucson. Yeah. That game was in Tucson. We lost to St. John's. And it was a close game, if I remember. Yeah, you gave him a I was, fight. Yeah, I, I, I had a bet with Ash. I almost lost the damn bet. <laughs> I was, I was going to dress up as an NAU cheerleader if I lost. Now that would have been great. Yeah. Kevin Durant, we know how great he is, but the way he's seamlessly fit in with the Suns, how has that happened? That's next. Burns and Gambo.